When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck. And today we are starting a really exciting series of episodes about the NHL draft, specifically the Nashville Predators and what they will do with, with the draft this year and what we can look forward to. And here's the thing, Sean, do you know a lot about the NHL draft? No, I do not. <laughs> Um, I'd, I'd like to put on a big show and pretend that I know a lot about it and maybe make a series of tweets that, that gives the impression that I'm some right. kind of draft wizard. But realistically, everything I know about any draft ever comes from one person, one person only. Okay. All right. Well, it would be very – so I'm kind of similar. I mean, I, I know a little bit. I mean, I've, I've obviously been paying attention to the draft for a very long time, but I don't know quite as much – as the guy who is joining us for this series of episodes, uh, and his name would be Eric Dune of On the Forecheck. Eric, what's up, dude? Not much. Uh, thanks for having me on. Excited to talk about the draft. So, Eric, you have been covering the draft and prospects for On the Forecheck for how many years now? Uh, I think it's almost five now. Four or five. Almost five. Okay. Yeah, yeah that sounds that sounds about right. And. You, um, those that don't know, he, he also runs the On the Future Twitter account, um, which you should definitely follow if you want the very best Preds draft and prospect coverage. I mean, some of the, I mean, I would say 98% of like what I get about our, um, of, the, of the information that I use on, on knowing what the draft is like and knowing what the prospects are doing comes from that Twitter account and from all the work that you do. Um, and so uh, that is why we wanted to have you on to talk about this. So we're going to do this in three parts. Uh, if you're listening to this now, you are in part one, um, unless for some reason you fast forwarded and, and now you're in part two. I don't know how you did that, but uh, welcome Ant-Man to our listenership for going through the quantum realm and listening to part two and three before you listen to part one. But part one, we're going to talk Spoiler about... Spoiler alert. What? <laughs> Nerd alert? Spoiler alert. Oh, <laughs> Part one, we are going to focus on the NHL draft overall. So, like, the the general prospects of, of what this draft looks like. However, before we do that, we've got to talk about a little bit of breaking news that came down today. And that would be Jeremy Lozon has signed a four-year deal with the Nashville Predators. He's 25 years old, so he's signed for the next four years at $2 million a year. It's an $8 million total value four years, $2 million per year. Let's get everyone's quick thoughts on that signing. Eric, what do you think about this? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's unsurprising. Uh, they gave up a second-round pick for him, so they seem to really, uh, you know, dig uh, what he brought to the table. Um, you know, Matt Benning's a free agent. Uh, you know, I think four years is a little long, but... Uh, 
my main concern here is, is um, you know, I don't want to sacrifice ice time um, from Jeremy Davies next season, who uh, came this close to making the team out of training camp last year and um, pretty much has the roster spot locked up should, uh, unless anything crazy happens uh, this, this uh, off season. So, uh, you know, it's fine. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sean, what do you think? I'm really encouraged when people say that things are fine. You know, um, anytime my wife says that, I know that everything is perfect. Yeah. Um, so it's really encouraging to hear Eric say that. Uh, I really value his opinion on prospects. So I feel like, you know, he's he's aware of Lozon's situation probably farther back than any of us are. You know, on the uh, really uninformed note for me, um, you know, based on what I saw out of him with the Predators, um, it was fine. And there are a lot of people that said, you know, um, maybe the, maybe the second round pick for him won't be so bad if they're able to lock him up long-term and it appears that they have. So, you know, I mean, does that Eric, Alex, do you think that takes the sting out of it a little bit? Out of the second round pick? Yeah, <laughs> not at all. No, probably not. I mean, Okay, so here, here from from a from a decision making like a, an organizational decision making, I think it makes sense because, yes, they're probably rationalizing the second round pick trade a little bit, and yes, the term is a little long, but I would say that uh, I don't think you can fault the team for. Look, you you can you can question like the decision on what kind of a team you want to build. But at the very least, they are finding they are they are matching players that go with the coach and the system, right? Like clearly, John Hines likes a Jeremy Lozon type, and he's very much better than Ben Harper. So it's like, I mean, it's an upgrade in that respect. I mean, I, I think Ben Harper played on the left, if, if I remember correctly. I think he was mostly left, and I think I'm assuming Jeremy Lozon will be a left a left-handed defenseman primarily. Although he does switch, doesn't he? He can switch. Uh, if I recall, yes, I think so. Because when he was playing up with Yossi while uh, Fabro was hurt, yeah. yeah. Anyways, I, I think it, so. Um, but at the very least, they found a guy that's not a terrible cap hit for a number of years that matches what John Hines wants to do. However, John Hines is only signed for two years. Um, so it's like, you know, I, e either they know they want to keep John Hines longer than the two years or – um, you know, I, I, so yes, I would agree. The term does make sense, but yeah, I think it's also like weird because like, this is the problem with replacement level players, right? Is like, you should never give them term because they're literally replacement level players. And it's not yeah. like anyone was like banging down the door to sign Jeremy Lozon to a multi-year deal. Right. Um, but I think a lot of fans, it's like the devil, you know, versus the devil, you know, where it's like, well, we've watched Jeremy Lozon play, you know, however many games in Nashville and some people like to style a play. And so they're like, well, even if he's a replacement level player, I'd rather have that than just, you know, whoever off the street, right? But mm -hmm. if you can be paying Jeremy Davies $125,000 or $1.25 million less, you know, on a shorter deal, who I think is a better player uh, for rebuilding or retooling or whatever the hell they're calling themselves team now, uh, that just feels like better roster management uh, than giving four years. You know, if you're signing those onto a one year, two year deal, sure, whatever. But four is, years, like, what do we do? So, do you, are you worried that Jeremy Davies is going to go the the Frederick Allard route, where he just gets? No, not. I mean, it's very clear they're like much higher on him than they ever were with Allard. Um, yeah. 
you know, I when I spoke to Carl Taylor before this past season, he, I mean, he was like, it was he was so close to making Nashville's roster at a training mm-hmm. camp. Um, I think if they re-sign Benning, that's kind of a flag, regardless of Borvietsky's oh, health. Yeah, uh, because then all of a sudden, like right now, like you know, Lausanne, Borvietsky, Davies are kind of rotating into that sixth spot, right? With Benning, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you have four defensemen for that last spot and things get a little murky. You know, at a certain point, you just have to, like they did with Carrier this year, right? You just have to play Davies, right? None uh-huh. of this like back and forth, you know, play 10 games or whatever. Um, so uh, not concerned about that. I just, I mean, sometimes I think they're just too patient with guys. So I, I don't I don't think they'll sign Benning. I think Benning's gone. Yeah, I would agree, but we'll see. I, I got the feeling when they announced the Borvietsky, you know, contract extension, whatever you want to call it, that the fact that along with that did not come some kind of bidding extension kind of told you everything you needed to know. And then seeing this signing today also kind of helps seal that deal for me. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Surely, you know, if you think back to the end of last season, they were very explicit about who wasn't coming back to the team. We didn't get that this season, so I'm a little. I mean, I'm a little more up in the air. But like, they wouldn't. They wouldn't bring that Ben we Harper back. We didn't they? get that. Normally, Poyle leads off with that when he's like, "We're not signing this guy. We're not signing this guy." Uh, I was also curious. No one really asked that. I kind of forgot to because I. I mean, most of the guys, I was like, "I'm sure they're not signing Nick Cousins. I'm sure they're not signing Benning." But then it was like, you know, what, what are they going to do with? I, I guess it was just the 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 decisions were obvious. We knew they weren't. We know they're not going to sign Riddick. Anyways, so and the and we knew the Lausanne, we knew they were going to sign him. Like this was this was pretty much a guarantee they were going to sign him. Um, all right. Well, I I think it's fine. I, I mean, your point about uh, Eric, your point about um, not giving term to replacement level players makes sense. Um, I guess my only response would be like. It's not like it really hurts just because it's like, I mean, to what two million, if three or four years from now, two million is going to be close to like whatever the replace. I mean, that's not that far above the replacement level cost, but like, yeah, you, know, you, you, you also are, are gain, they're, they're basically betting that in three years, in two to three to four years, Jeremy Lozon is going to be better than yeah. two million a year in terms I, of value on the ice. I think my concern with that is they seem to think that Lausanne is still developing. Or has another step to reach, and I would argue he has reached his potential in the NHL, um, which I do not think is worth two million dollars. So, sure, yeah, in like four years, two million dollars is like nothing against the cap, but like, if you're paying a one million dollar pay, two million dollars, that's just a million dollars wasted, you know? So, yeah, makes sense. Okay, now we're going to talk about the draft. so uh, I want to get your take on uh, – I, I have not seen a consensus number one for this year like I've seen in the past for this NHL draft. Um, you know, we, it's, we're far from the Nolan versus Nico. <laughs> and then obviously the um, – who was the other one? The uh, 2011 uh, – oh, gosh. Jamie uh, Ben, Jamie Ben, and uh, – No, uh, Hall and Sagan. Sorry, Holland said, yeah, that Tyler Sagan and Tyler versus Taylor. Thank you. Um, so, we're, you know, we're not in that situation. Um, what What is the consensus in terms of the top pick of this NHL draft? 
Sure. I think the most comfortable thing I could say is there's a consensus top five, maybe top six actually now lately. Um, you know, for much of the season and leading into this year, Shane Wright was really the, the kind of standout number one guy. Um, and it's not that Shane Wright had a bad season. He had a very good season. Uh, he didn't have like, he's not a Connor McDavid level player. He's not a generational talent by any means. Uh, he also missed an entire year due to COVID the year before. So you got to wonder what, you know, his, his draft year is like, had he not missed that? Um, but lately, uh, I think throughout the season, there's been um, some, some players behind him kind of creeping up. And we almost are hitting this like Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick year where because Shane Wright isn't uh, like, you know, 120 points in the OHL crazy year, people are starting to think, hmm, well, you know, maybe there's room, you know, to go somewhere else uh, with this first overall pick. Uh, I would I would still take Shane Wright first overall. Um, but that being said, I think the top five, maybe six are all probably in a class of their own. And that is Shane Wright, who plays for Kingston in the OHL. Uh, Uri Slikovsky, who plays for TPS in Finland. Um, uh, Logan Cooley, who plays for the U.S. National Team Development Program. Uh, David Yerichek, who plays for Plzen in the Czech Republic, who's a right-handed defenseman. And then Simon Nemitz, who's another right-handed defenseman, who plays for uh, HK Nitra in, in Slovakia. The sixth player who's, who's uh, I think, during the second half of the season's name's really kind of picked up. And, you know, he's a six-foot-three forward who's going to be playing center at BC next year is Cutter Gauthier from the, the U.S. team as well. Um, a lot of teams are really high on him. So I think that kind of upper echelon is very set. Uh, he's going to be playing where, sorry? Uh, at Boston College. Okay. Uh, so he was playing wing for a lot of the year, actually on D Logan Cooley's wing, but he's really built like a center. I think he plays better as a center. Uh, and he confirmed at the combine that he'll be playing center at Boston College next year and that NHL teams see him as a center. So I think that gave a lot of those teams uh, comfort and, uh, you know, he's starting to creep up into that, um, that, uh, that, uh, that realm. I think for me, the two biggest threats to first overall are Slykowski and, and Nemitz, the two Slovaks. Um, Cooley, I think, is really exciting, but he's uh, a 5'10 center and there's not a lot of number one centers um, mm -hmm. that are that short. You know, you think yeah. about Braden Point. Um, yeah. And that's maybe it, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, if I were a betting man, I'd say Montreal goes Shane Wright. Um, but, uh, you know, within that top five or six, you you couldn't really go wrong. And there's going to be two right-handed right defensemen available at that uh, echelon. So. so there's two there's two guys in the national, team the national team development program who play on the same team who are who could go in the top five. Cutter, Gauthier, Gauthier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gautier. Um, I, I, I would probably be shocked if Gautier goes in the top five, um, but he should be top 10, I imagine. Uh, he could slip. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, he was probably like a 15 to 20 pick. Um, he's maybe more of a 6 to 12 now, but uh, Cooley's definitely a top five guy. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of have to look at the team needs to right there, right? Like um, a lot of people are looking at Philly and, and Seattle which have a lot of holes to plug. And, you know, you would think you can't go wrong with a right shot defenseman, um, particularly one like David Yerchek, who's 6'3 and has a lot of skill. But, um, you know, you never know.
Okay, and then yeah, so two defensemen, a right shot, David Yurchik. Is that how you say yeah. that? Yeah, Yurchik, yeah. Yurchik, and then Simon Nimitz. Yeah, Simon Nimitz, yeah. Simon Nimitz, okay. Um, okay, so and then the teams that are picking up here, I mean, obviously they all need stuff, but like Montreal, Philadelphia, New Jersey, or sorry, New Jersey, Arizona, Seattle, Philadelphia, top five. So like, I mean, a couple of those teams are just far, far away from having having thing uh, going in terms of competition. Uh, and then a couple of teams like in transition, I mean, Philadelphia, they don't have a coach yet. Uh, so I, I'm just cu- I'm curious, like the, um, the, the ETA on some of these guys, are, are, are we, are we expecting any of these guys to come and play next year immediately? Are they long-term? Are they, medium term what what are what do you think about the ETA of these guys yeah um it's interesting cuz i think that like the hallmark of Shane Wright's game is that he's not particularly flashy but like he's very pro ready like if you watch him play on any given night you see an extremely smart and extremely like mistake free player who can like who's like really dominant physically at the junior level and can like you know seemingly hold his own against pros um but we haven't had that much discussion about like if he goes to Montreal, if he goes wherever, is he playing in the NHL next season? Um, Which is kind of interesting. Do I think Shane Wright could play in the NHL next season? Yes. Um, Would I, is it a bad thing if he doesn't? Probably not. Um, You know, Mitch Marner went back for uh, an extra junior year and destroyed the OHL and it didn't really hurt him. Um, You know, if you're Montreal, then you're not going to be competing next year. So, you know, on one hand, you could get a minutes. On the other hand, like, what's the point? Um, you know, I think there's a couple, you know, I think Simo Nemitz and, and probably maybe Juracek are, are very close to NHL ready. Um, if I had to put Nemitz in an NHL lineup next season, I, I wouldn't hate it. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you're Seattle, if you're Philly, if you're, um, you know, Arizona or whoever, um, what's the rush, right? Like why, uh, why, you know, push it. Um, so I would say for some of these top of the draft guys, you know, feasibly it's the season after, um, you know, Cooley and Gauthier, maybe the exceptions because they're going to be going to college. Um, but, uh, you know, beyond that, it's going to be a couple years. So no one that's really going to, I think, come in and make a huge splash next season, but, Maybe Shane Wright does, you know, where it really remains to be seen. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, – I guess that kind of matches with the vibe that I've been hearing is that it's not – these are not guys that are immediate plug-and-plays no matter what team they're on. And, uh, you know, probably probably like if, if you're at all upset that the Predators didn't just tank to try to get a top draft pick, you're not like – it's not like they're getting immediate help here. Um, not that they couldn't have used any of these guys, of course, but um, I want to talk about the vibe of the draft, so to speak. Uh, but before we do that, I want to talk about relax the back, Sean. Ooh. Ooh. If you want to work like better, that. live better, and feel better every day, you've got to go to relax the back. We've talked about it on this show many times. Uh, if you sleep well, you live well. I know that I always live better if I sleep better. So there's, they have many options for customized comfort when you sleep, work, or just relax at home. It's the place to go to for recovery, too. Massage chairs, recliners, just any kind of recovery options, whether you're recovering from an injury or sports, just general sports recovery. They have zero-gravity chairs to help recover from that, uh, massage chairs, that kind of thing. 
Also, plenty of things to sleep on. They got just things to sleep on at this store. Speaking of the store, you got to check it out. 2020 Glen Echo Road in Green Hills. A sleep agent is on hand every day to help figure out how you can sleep better and resolve any pain issues. If you've got pain issues, go there. They will help you walk through, uh, talk, talk, talk to you about them and walk through ways in which you can resolve them. And you will also learn about the four pillars of wellness, healthy sleep, healthy work, healthy body, and healthy mind. Um, yeah, so there we go. Um, so I, I feel like every year there's at least some sort of talk about what kind of a draft this is. Like, is it a deep draft? Is it top heavy? Is it really talented? Is it extremely, you know, is it, is it bad? <laughs> it's just a terrible draft. Uh, what do you, what is your, what is your take on uh, what kind of a draft overall this, this is? Yeah, I think it's a deep draft insofar as there's a really good number of players I could see having decent NHL careers. Um, but by no means is it, uh, I would say it's an extremely average um, draft. Uh, there's not um, a, a crazy standout generational talent. I think that you're hoping, you know, players like Yurichek and Nemitz kind of become, a, 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 you know, Hedman and Yossi of the future. And, you know, someone like Yuri Slykovsky really has, I think, the ability to um, pop and really become an elite scorer in the NHL. But um, there's no real surefire, you know, McDavid, Eichel, um, you know, even Hall or Sagan necessarily right off the bat. So that's kind of, um, you know, the vibe we're working with. And, and I think that's kind of a product of, uh, you know, uh, the last year COVID disrupted a lot of seasons, particularly in the OHL, you know, a lot of players moving around, um, you know, now all of a sudden the, 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 you know, there's a lot of questions surrounding Russian prospects and Belarusian prospects. And there's just a lot of more maybe volatility to this class than, than um, normal compared to next season, where if you do want the Preds to tank, they should do it this year because the 2023 draft is absolutely loaded. So. Ooh, interesting. Loaded. Like, like a good like nearly 10 maybe elite players at the top of the class wow yeah there you go maybe that's the plan maybe that should be the plan for the predators don't sign forsberg <laughs> i mean that's the constellation honestly if he walks right which like yeah whatever there's no reason they need to compete for a bubble spot at all um particularly with next year's draft so interesting um Okay, so uh, you you said this draft is <laughs> deep and average. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's that's like not very inspiring. It's like yeah, it feels like that's not really a draft that like is going to keep people on pins and needles in terms of draft day, and even like in the weeks after being like, oh, let's take a look at this guy. Like, it seems like it's probably not going to inspire a lot of um, hope you know, in terms of the, for any fan base, really, except for yeah. maybe like the top couple. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're looking at with this is like, you're not looking for an Escaroff. You're not looking for a Tomasino. You're not looking for, um, you know, uh, uh, another kind of top of the pipeline prospect, um, you know, maybe Svechkov. You're looking for compliments to those at the top of the pipeline like we're starting to see what the return's going to be like on picks like afanasia you know eventually evangelista you know prokop those kind of guys and this is going to help kind of fill in the gaps around those or where maybe evaluations were a little too strong so 
in one sense, it's like a good year not to have a second round pick. And in a second sense, it's actually a bad year because it is fairly deep. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of good second round picks to be had, but, um, you know, you're not going to pull someone at 17, I don't think, or, or, or after that, that's really going to, you know, catapult themselves to the top of the, the prospect depth chart. So. Interesting. Sean, any questions for the uh, overall draft of, of, of this before we conclude part one of, of today's show? So you, you said that next year's draft is, is a much better or much uh, more talented draft, correct? Correct. So how would you compare this draft to, say, last year's draft? Um, that's a good question. I don't really remember what happened in last year's draft. Um <laughs> I feel like there was some excitement for some guys yeah. at the top. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas I don't, you're saying, like, you're saying the number one guy is this name, and I'm thinking, I've never heard this name before. So, yeah. Compared to last year's draft, I mean, I, I wasn't as high on Noah Power as a lot of people are, but, you know, looking back, like, Power, Beniers, McCavish, Hughes, Johnson, Edmondson, Eklund, Clark, like, the good, like, the top nine are all, I think, you know, give or take, very good NHL prospects who could become top of the lineup players or somewhere near it. Um, and then Ottawa went and picked Tyler Boucher at 10, <laughs> uh, which remains hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, right now we're probably not seeing that. It's probably a step below last year's draft at this point. Um, you know, if you took picks from last year, like 12 to 25, that would be like you know, five to, to, to 15 in this year's draft, roughly in terms of, uh, in terms of kind of level of, of prospect. But, um, you know, also, you know, a lot of prospects kind of draft year plus one seasons could really change that uh, discourse. So, um, you know, we'll kind of have to see, but that's kind of heading into this, what things look like. Interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. So um, this year's draft is very average. It has a lot of players, none of them all that exceptionally good. And um, there's really no reason to tune in to the NHL draft this year. Thank you for coming. And uh, no, just kidding. Obviously, we are going to talk about the Nashville Predators next. That is going to be in part two. Uh, you'll have to check that out next week. We will talk specifically about the Nashville Predators and what they will or won't do at number 17. That's a little teaser uh, for what we might talk about. So you'll have to check that out. Uh, we'll talk about the you know, top three, five, three, three or four or five options for the Predators at pick 17. And then in part three, we'll talk about the rest of the draft and, and beyond. So uh, make sure to check that out. Thanks, Eric, for joining us. And we will see you next time for part two.